Good morning. Hey, this doesn't have much to do with anything, but yesterday my wife caught me uh, listening to Christmas songs. So I want to do a little impromptu survey. Who has already listened? It's okay. No one's going to judge you here. Who's already listened to a Christmas song this year? All right. I'm just making sure I'm sane. All right. That's all that is. Who thinks it's just entirely too early to listen to Christmas music? Okay. I respect that. I respect it. I get it. You know, we're, uh, this week we're finishing up our sermon series on Acts, and then just in a few short weeks, we're going to be right into Advent. So this morning, as we get in, into Acts, for, for the last time in this sermon series, will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the privilege that it is to come here and worship you with your people. We pray that, uh, I pray that you'd give me the words you have me to say. I pray that uh, you would uh, help us to just leave different people than we came in, be changed uh, by your word and your table this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So last week, Spencer brought us just an awesome message about life transformation if you were here. We are really, really blessed, if you didn't know, to have Spencer uh, here at South Suburban, loving our youth, uh, bringing us the word a few times a year. We are blessed to have uh, that guy. And, and, and what he preached to us was a message about this life transformation of Paul, who went to, from being one of the biggest persecutors of the church to one of the biggest leaders of the early church, went through this amazing life transformation. And as you go through the book of Acts, after you take up where, where, where Spencer left off, the next time you see Paul is in Acts 13. Paul's grabbed his buddy Barnabas, and they've been traveling city to city, sharing uh, about Jesus with the people all over. And, and, and they're coming to this city named Pisidian Antioch, which is in present-day Turkey. So they've been traveling north, and verse 14 tells us they began in Antioch this way. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. So they're in this city of mostly Gentiles, mostly non-Jewish people, but they actually go and start by finding the Jewish people in that city. But they're noticed by the leaders of the synagogue who tell them in verse 15, noticing that they're traveling teachers, they say, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. And Paul was never a shy one. And so in verse 16, he stands and says, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And so Paul's prepping us for one of his, his just classic sermons. And this sermon of Paul is going to really encapsulate the past, the present, and the future of the people of Israel, right? He's with these Jewish people, and he's in this message. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is this, this past, present, and future of Israel that he presents here in Acts 13. And Paul's going to begin with the past in this passage because the story of God's people is a story of generations. He begins to retell the story of God's people with the generations who were captive in Egypt. So he says in verse 17, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. Next, Paul is going to recount the generations of Israel who lived during the time of the judges. And, and this is in verse 20. He says, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then he moves on to, in verse 21, the generation under King Saul. 
And then in verse 22, the next generation, after removing Saul, he made David their king. Later, he comes back to this generation in verse 36, saying, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, this is a story about generations, in his own generation, he fell asleep. So Paul strategically begins this sermon by talking about past generations of Israel. You'd expect them to come in and start just talking about Jesus right off the bat, but no, he actually recounts and retells the story of these past generations because the story of God's people is a story of generations. And like Israel, our people, our church here at South Suburban, we have a story. We have a story of past generations that have come before us here at our church. So Paul thought it was worth the time. Let's take just a minute to recount that past story just just quickly about South Suburban. So here's a bit about our story. When Littleton was nothing but endless fields and Broadway was nothing but a dirt road, there was a really good reason why it was called the South Suburban Christian Church. We're not the new kid in the neighborhood. We were the first kid on the block. In 1957, a small group of of Christians began to worship together at Grant Middle School. This is actually a picture from those very early days. They, They started worshiping together at Grant Middle School, and in 1960, they bought a piece of land. Those people bought a piece of land in Littleton on a little dirt road named Broadway. It was 12 blocks, 12 blocks south from the closest neighborhood. Made no sense, logically. This group sacrificed so they could build a church building without a house or a neighborhood or a paved road in sight. Why? Because God had given them a dream. They had a dream for the future. God moved and the church grew, and by 1969, South Suburban built a larger sanctuary to house our growing congregation. Over the next decades, families joined by the hundreds, lives were transformed, and in 2004, the church built this sanctuary that we're all sitting in this morning. To this day, you'll run into people around here who were actually here in the 60s as this church formed and have been a part of our congregation since because we want to love every person in every season of life. This church has experienced six decades, six decades, of, of legacy, six decades of growth, six decades and generations of lives transformed for Jesus here at South Suburban. Because of this, we want to be a church that really is for all seasons of life. The young and old, single and married and family, the mature believer and the brand new. That's why one of our values here at South Suburban is every season We're looking at some of these values in this sermon series. Here's one. Every season, we will sacrifice to love every person, every family, in every season of life and faith. Because like Paul's story of the generations in the past of Israel, generations have passed through the doors of South Suburban Christian Church. And we want to love people in every season. And whether it's here at South Suburban or Paul retelling the story of the generations in Israel's past, we want to be able to retell and respect the story of those past generations because the story of God's people is a story of generations. So next, Paul's going to turn his attention to the present because the present generation had a big decision to make. So Paul turns his his attention from these these past generations of Israel 
over now into the decision that the present generation needed to make about Jesus. So he presents them with this this, this decision that this present generation needed to make in verses 27 to 31. He says this, The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. So Paul's discussion about Jesus, about this decision that the people in the present generation had to make, it was about a person and a story. A person and a story. You know, often, Christians, we can, we can talk about our faith accidentally in a way that gives unbelievers the impression that our faith begins with a list of do's and don'ts. Begins with what we're against. But our faith doesn't start there, does it? Our faith starts with a person and a story. It starts with a person and a story. A decision in the present about who this Jesus is and whether this story about his life is true. And that's why Paul recounts that story here for us in verses 27 to 31. If you look through these verses, this is exactly what he does. He tells this story of Jesus being falsely condemned, executed on a cross, laid in a tomb, and raised from the dead for many witnesses to see. So maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. Right? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not quite sure about faith. And if that's you, I want you to know that, that taking the first step of faith might be infinitely more easy than you've imagined. You see, you don't have to check off yes on all the thousands of things that you've heard about Christians. That first step of faith is as easy as saying yes to a person in a story. Saying, yes, I believe this person, Jesus, really is my Savior, really is God. And yes, I really believe this story that, that, that he died and raised from the grave again for me. And if you've never made that decision, then it's here for you to make right now in the present just as it was when Paul presented this to the people in that day. Next, Paul's going to actually connect this person and story of Jesus back to his idea of generations. So verse 32 and 33 tell us, We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus so this is what he's saying. God made this promise of a Savior, of a Messiah, to past generations, those same generations that I just recounted for you a bit ago. But here's the thing, guys. I only told you that story of the past so you could realize that Jesus came to you in the present. That he made this promise in the past that he fulfilled for the present generation. Now you have a decision to make about him. And if we decide, yes, Jesus is Savior, yes, he died and raised from the grave for me, then Paul gives us the outcome of that belief, of that faith, in verses 38 and 39. He says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So what Paul is saying here is that the wrongs we've done in our life, which he's calling sin, 
separate us from our perfect creator. But when we have faith in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, it wipes the slate clean. It forgives us. It it frees us from those sins, those wrongs that just enslave us. Every generation has a decision to make about the person and story of Jesus. Every decision, every generation. So Paul is speaking at at this synagogue, two Jewish people in Pisidian Antioch, and first he retold the the history, the past, right? Those past generations. Next, he actually revealed this present decision that they all had to make about Jesus. And now third, he's gonna talk about the future. And this passage is gonna show us, this passage is gonna show us how that decision that was made in the present to accept or reject Jesus affected the future for generations to come. So as we continue on our passage, we're going to see two opposite reactions to this message Paul gave about Jesus. We're going to see some people accept that message and some people reject that message of, of Jesus. And we're going to see how both decisions affected the future for generations to come. So one group of people listening to Paul, they accept the message. Verses 42 to 44 tell us that they came over to Paul and said, hey, you got to keep teaching. We want to hear this. Then they gathered the whole city to hear about Jesus. And as as they do, verse 48 and 49 tell us, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. So many people actually made a decision that day in that generation for Jesus, many of the Gentiles. And as you track through history, the years to come after that, Faith just exploded in this region. And the future was changed by the decisions that they made in the present. Unfortunately, a second group of people rejected Paul's message about Jesus. Verses 45 and 50, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Verse 50, the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So some rejected the message. And here's the tragedy of it, is that that rejection by one generation in the present affected the faith of generations to come in the future. And so the future of most Israelites became one of disbelief. And if you're like me, you're always wondering, why? Why Why did that generation miss their Savior? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, a lot. But one of them, one of them is this. They valued their past more than their future. They loved the memories of their traditions. They loved their ways of doing things, their history. There was nothing better than retelling your genealogies. They idealized the good old days of Israel's golden age instead of looking at what could be. So this is why this valuing of the past over the future was why Paul comes in and actually starts with the past. So he could kind of hook them into what he's going to be telling them about this Jesus. Because he knew it consumed them. You see, if they had accepted Jesus, all those things that they had come to value so much about the past would have suddenly looked a whole lot less valuable. 
The memories of their past were actually getting in the way of them making the decision about Jesus in the present. And as I've studied this, this passage in Acts, Acts 13, the last few weeks, this one question just keeps, keeps popping up in my mind about, about us. And it's this. What do we value more? Our past or our future? Like this generation in Acts 13, have we allowed our past memories to become bigger than our future dreams? It's not just a problem for this one generation that rejected Paul's message about Jesus here in Acts 13. We all can allow our memories of the past to eclipse our dreams for the future. Who knows somebody who's stuck in the past? Right? We've all got one of those people in our lives, right? I've got a friend from high school who played high school football, and he is stuck in the past. All he talks about when we get together is stories of high school football. We graduated in 2002. It's been 14 years since, and I don't think I've heard him tell a story that's taken place after 2002. The guy is stuck in the past. His memories have become bigger than his dreams for the future. But we can all get to that same place. Author and pastor Mark Batterson says this about how our minds work. Neuroimaging has shown that as we age, the center of our cognitive gravity tends to shift from the imaginative right brain to the logical left brain. And this neurological tendency presents a grave danger. At some point, most of us stop living out of imagination and start living out of memory. Instead of creating the future, we start repeating the past. So whether it's this one generation of Israelites that Paul was speaking to or my buddy who's stuck in high school football or us, we all can have the tendency to make our past memories bigger than our future dreams. So I want to talk about this for a minute, and I want to talk about it in two contexts. I want to talk about it as a church, and I want to talk about it as individuals in our faith. So as a church of South Suburban, we have to ask ourselves, even as we recount this beautiful story of our past, have our memories of the past become bigger than our dreams for the future? As Paul discussed those past generations of Israel in Acts 13, in verse 20, he does something interesting. He specifically mentioned the generations that lived under the time of the judges. And if you look back to the book of Judges, you'll find that something really interesting happens there. Judges 2.10 tells us after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So one generation that knew, that loved, that worshipped God was unable to pass on their faith to the next generation that followed them. One generation in church can be on fire for God. But it's easy for our past traditions, ways of doing things, history, to just kind of gradually outweigh the possibilities that Jesus could have for us in the future. And like that generation in Judges, to lose that next generation. It's easy for our past memories to eclipse our future dreams as a church. But here's the thing. Regardless of what generation that you're in, this church desperately needs you. It needs you. 
One of the other generations that Paul brought up was David. And as David aged, here's something he believed with all his heart. He said this in Psalm 71, 18. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. No matter what your age is, whether you're in high school or, or, or a lot of years after high school, this church needs you. We need you in declaring God's glory, declaring his works to generations to come. You've got a role to play. Maybe for you it's helping out with kids on, on Wednesday evenings or Sunday mornings. Maybe it means getting to know a, a, a young family in our church and just loving them. Maybe for you it means just having a passion for that, that, that family on your street, that, that family in your own family. For one amazing grandma in our church just recently over the last few weeks, it's meant God giving her this future dream of starting a small group for single moms. But for all of us, it means catching a dream for the future. A dream that five, ten years from now, that this place is just bursting at the seams with life. That when the name South Suburban gets brought up in coffee shops and in grocery stores around Denver's southern suburbs, people say, ah, I know about that church. It's the one that loves Jesus and loves people. The last few years has seen some church, some change at our church, haven't they? God's not done with us. God's not done with us. If we can allow our dreams for the future to become bigger than our memories of the past. So that's as a church, right? And now I wanna talk about this in the context of, of each one of our lives, just as individuals in our, our faith. And what I think we need to ask is, in my life, in my faith, have my memories of the past become bigger than my dreams for the future? So maybe for some of us this morning, th this means that, that really in our faith, we've been kind of looking back to that golden age. That golden age of life and faith, we think the best moments in our faith are in our rear view mirror that they have passed us by. And so when we sit down and think about what God has for us, what we're looking at is what we've already done. We're replaying those memories saying it won't get better than that. And if that's where you're at this morning, God's not done with you. A few months ago, one of my friends here at church turned 91. I'm probably not going to make it to 91, all right? She turned 91, and it's just so full life, and she's about to be moving in a few months, and, and, and so she's about to be moving out of state, and so I found her a few weeks ago, and I asked her, hey, how's, how's this going? How do you feel about this? Because I know I would be worried, and immediately, immediately her response was I'm excited to see what God will have for me to do there. What if every one of us had that sort of attitude? What if every one of us was excited about that role that God is calling us to play in the future dreams for his kingdom? You see, if you're in a place where you think the best of my faith, the best of my life is behind me, it's not. God's not done with you. In Christ, your future dreams are always bigger than your past memories. Maybe some of us here this morning, 
we're in a little bit different of a place. We say, you know what? <laughs> that sounds great, but you don't know my past. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. God's not gonna forgive and use somebody like me. And if that's you this morning, that's what we're talking about in Acts 13. That's what Paul preached, forgiveness of sins, that God, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been in your past, wants to forgive you and use you. A dozen years ago, I uh, one summer worked at a, a middle school summer church camp, just a, a Christian camp through, through the summer. And the first day I got to meet my, my co-counselor. Now, my, my co-counselor, you know, you got two counselors for a cabin, and he's still a friend of mine to this day, 12 years later. And one of the first things that, that he told me when we met was that he had just got out of prison like three months before church camp started. So I'm thinking, what in this world, and what in the world is this guy doing at a church camp being a counselor? Only took me a few days to figure out what God was up to. This guy had made some mistakes in his life. You don't make it to where he was with one mistake. So if, you, if that's where you're at, if you're past, you're just going, my past is too much for me to overcome. It's holding me back from my future with God. He was where you were at or worse. But God just got a hold of his life behind bars. And he used him in a powerful way, particularly with kids who had come from a background like his, bringing them to Christ through that summer. So no matter what your past is, maybe you're stuck in the memories of where you've been, those mistakes you have made, God wants to forgive you. God wants you to come to faith in Jesus and forgive you of that, set you free from that enslavement to those sins, and he wants to use you in a powerful way. God's not done with you. In Christ, your future is always bigger than your past. Maybe there are some of us here this morning who would say, I was so hurt in my past, right? What's holding me back is those past memories. They, they're haunting me of pain, and I'm not able to really engage in the present in my faith or move into the future because my past is so painful, and I just keep reliving those memories over and over and over again. If that's you, God's not done with you. He wants to use you. He wants to heal you of that pain. I've got a good friend who years ago found out that she was never going to be able to have children. She had this, just, this desire to have kids, and, and, and she found out it's not going to happen for me. I mean, that's some pain, right? God got a hold of her life. He, he, he threw out this dream for her future, and she has worked for years in an orphanage helping kids. And then she adopted kids of her own. God took that pain in her life and he turned it into his glory. He turned it and used it. And if that's where you're at, that's what he wants to do with yours. God's not done with you. He can overcome your pain. And in Christ, your future is always bigger than your painful past. And then maybe there are some of us here this morning who you would say, the problem is, if I'm being really honest, I'm pretty settled in my present. I've kind of settled with, with going through the motions in my faith and, and at church and kids and work. It's pretty good. It's comfortable. It's enough. And I've stopped dreaming of how God can use me in the future because of how comfortable I've grown in my present. 
And if that's you, God's not done with you. A few years ago, Megan and I got to go to Haiti, and we spent the week in this, this medical mission working alongside a guy named Matt. And Matt was another American, and the last day we got to sit down with Matt over a meal and hear, hear his life story. It was incredible. Guy grew up, just, just another American kid. In his 20s, he went to med school. And by his 30s, he was a successful doctor in California. And I mean, things were just looking, looking good. Things were looking comfortable. His past accomplishments, it looked like we're gonna carry him through decades of comfort in his life. But then a hurricane hit Haiti and God gave him this dream for the future. And he gave up all that settledness and that comfort. He gave it all up to move to the slums of Port-au-Prince and for years do ministry to some of the poorest people on the face of the planet. So if that's you and you're just, you've settled in this faith, you've settled in this kind of church, work, kids, home, comfortable life, God's not done with you. We're not all moving to Port-au-Prince tomorrow. I realize that. But he is calling us each to that very next step. He is calling us each into a great adventure of faith that is so much more life-giving than that settled, comfortable life that you've worked your way into. So if that's you, God's not done with you. In Christ, your future is always bigger than your past. So no matter where you find yourself this morning, I want you to know that it is a cheap trick of the enemy that causes us to burn up the days of our present, put off the days of our future, to be consumed with the memories of our past. When all the while, no matter where we are in life, God is inviting us, inviting us to a future that we could never imagine in building his kingdom and giving him glory. And so this morning, as a church and as each one of us, God is not done with us. In Christ, our future is always bigger than our past. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we have to come to your word. We pray that you would just even now put a dream on our heart, a big one, a small one, one that seems simple, one that could take five minutes or five decades, Lord, that you would give us a dream of what you've got for our future, that we wouldn't be settled, that we would overcome our, our pain, that we wouldn't get stuck in a past golden age, Lord, but that you would just consume us with this, this, this dream of our future, giving you glory, Lord, building your kingdom. May we not be consumed with those past memories. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.